You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Anyway, what's up, Joe? Man, it, it's feel like it's been a year or two, but uh, it has. It really has. Oh. Everything good though, so so that's the good part. It's been a while, but it, it, but we good, so everything's alright. And and that's partially my fault, and I'm sorry. I have been. I've had a lot on my plate. Yeah, that's ain't no fault. Ain't ain't no fault to be had, sir. Well, you know, I just feel bad because we, you know, we we try to come out every Monday with a brand new episode. That is what we do. Um, oh, and you know what? It's crazy. We just started. We're gonna have a third person with us today, um, and that's something that we also said we were gonna try to do is have more people on our calls, right? Um, yep. Yep. <clears throat> so, anyway. Um, let me let me back up. I didn't even I didn't even introduce the show. Right, the normal. You got to tell them who we are, what we are, yeah, why we are. Let me start. Let me go backwards. Welcome to Black Guy Therapy. If this is your first time hearing us, know that we are a therapeutic podcast. I say that all the time, and Joel always seconds. We're a therapeutic podcast. We are designed for black men to vent about issues that generally we wouldn't talk about in our daily lives. So. Welcome. If this is your first time hearing us, we're glad you're here with us. Maybe you'll get something out of this today. And if you like it, share it. Um, yep. We, you know, it's funny. We, 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 we make money off of this, you know, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and every time you share, we get another penny or so. So um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. If you like the content. Yeah. If you like it, yeah. it's all Let good. Let us know. So today, oh, I got it's 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 going there's three of us today. You got me, you got Joel who is normally here, and we have a special person. Um I don't want to call him a guest cuz he's not a I mean he's a guest to our show, but um he's not a guest to me. I guess he may be a guest to you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um let me go ahead and introduce him before I ask everybody how they have been cuz that's what we do here. Um I got my boy from college. Um Roy Mays. He is that dude, right? Like um, we've been out a couple times. As a matter of fact, I think I met him out at a bar, to be honest. And and we actually had the same friend group. So um it just kind of worked out. And uh obviously he's a black man and he's on this show Black Guy Therapy today. So um wanted to loop him in because um, you know, I think he has some, some good things he can add to the conversation. And we talk about that all the time, adding value to our conversations and um yep. like to have different people on here so they can add value. So yep. welcome Roy. perspectives. Let me let me let me give him the hand clap. Um dang, I don't even know where the hand clap is, but uh, oh well we'll find it then we'll get him a hand. <laughs> I will I will say that that's probably the finest introduction that I've ever had. And so you was you was far too kind, Ty. Far too kind. Well, cause, you know, people listen to this, so I can't really tell them the real stuff, right? The real, <laughs> the real can't, can't tell them the truth. Yeah, I can't tell them the truth. You know, so slow. We can reveal the the uh, truth slowly but surely. There you go. But anyway, how are you today, Joel? Man, I, I'm fantastic. Living, breathing, COVID free, so uh, no complaints. As well as well as the family. So, so good to go. No complaints. Good. And how are you today, Roy? Man, I can't complain. Blessed. Still breathing. As Joe's just said, is, you know, it's taking a day at a time and, you know, during times like these. And that's all that we can do. And I'll say, hey, look, 
I am the same. It is 2021. Um, we obviously it's been a while, but we have a new president. Um, and we also have a historic first, right? Um, with with a black woman in office. So that's that's a different that's different and something to celebrate for us, or at least in the first part of 2021, right? For sure. So. And uh, you know what's funny is uh, I was watching the inauguration and I was like, you know, scrolling through my Instagram feed, seeing people's different things that they're posting to their stories. And one of the things that I saw was uh, one of my white female friends, she said, um, men will never understand how it feels to see Kamala Harris become vice president. And I had to correct her. I go, white men will never understand. <laughs> because I was cheering Kamala like she was like, she's my auntie. Like I see her in me and like all of my relatives. And so it's just like, it's just those little like kind of nuances that you, that you, you know, that I saw during, during that time. Yeah. yeah. And it's That's important. a good call. Yeah. And I think that's important because I mean, I feel like the same feeling I had when Barack Obama became the president is the same feeling I had when I saw um, uh, Kamala Harris, Madam Vice President um, Kamala Harris become the VP, right? Um, you know, people people say it and it's like kind of cliche. It's like, oh, now we can do anything. But literally, now you you have to see somebody do it to believe it. A lot of people like you have to see it to believe it. And this is one of those things where now we see it and now people believe it. And now, you know, the sky's the limit essentially, right? If you, you've now become the highest, you've made it to the highest place in this land. Right. So now people can follow you. She's literally a step away from being president. And that's just so wild to me. And to your point is like, I I am a see it, I need to see it to believe it, but someone actually has to go do it. Yeah. And for her to do it, man, that just, you know, speaks volumes about her. Yeah. Now, Joel, on the other hand, I mean, he's happy to see it. I'm sure he is, right? I, I'll be happy when my my folks start rooting for each other a little harder in general. So okay. I, I'll leave it there. So, and that was kind of one of, that kind of was my next point to you. I know that you had sent something out to us um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to talk about it. Um, it was kind of like, okay, where do we fit? Where, where does the, I guess, and we've had this conversation a couple of times, I feel like, but I guess now with the situation that's going on here, um, you talk about where do we fit and you talk about where do we fit as black men in this picture, right? Cause, yeah. cause we have this new president and let's be real. Um, a lot of things happened in that first, that first day in office, right? Joe Biden signed a ton of, a ton <laughs> executive, of orders, executive yeah. orders, right? He yeah. did. So there was some things in there and, and you paid attention to, to one in particular. Am I correct? Yeah, it was it was it, and it was more just because it was interesting that that's why it stood out to me because it was interesting. There are some things that's like, OK, that just makes sense yeah. that needed to happen. But there were some where it's like, OK, that that's an outlier. I, I need to, I need to understand this one a little bit better. So that's why I mentioned that one. OK, so expand. Let us know what because obviously the people out here listen to us don't know what we're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Roy doesn't yeah. know what you're talking about, though. So go ahead and expand. 
Sure. So give me a second, because what I don't want to do is misquote. So let me pull it back up here. And um, while I'm pulling it up, it, it was a it was basically this one of the executive orders that took the the gender out of sports. So, you know, you have like your men's team, the Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team, Michigan Wolverines women's basketball team. And it took that out completely. So now it, it basically means that you can go to either side. If you're good enough, you can go to either side. Um, yeah. But like I said, I, I want to pull it up to speak to it a little bit more in depth. So while I'm pulling that up, let me tell you why that was interesting to me. Uh, I was taught years and years and years ago when you are specifically just speaking to athletics only, nothing else. Let, let's just stay on athletics. When you are attempting to build your reputation as a as a bona fide athlete, there are certain things that you have to be able to do. And one of those things, if I'm a varsity player, I can't go and play against junior varsity players and build my reputation. That doesn't do anything for my stature in the sport. People aren't going to look at that game, the numbers, uh, the, the end result, and be like, man, this guy is awesome. He played against these guys that are two, three, four years younger than him, and he destroyed them. Can't really build my reputation off of that. So when I heard that, I was like, that's interesting because I, I know that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there's a, a young lady that's actually on one of the college football teams as a kicker. Is yeah, that accurate? At Vanderbilt. Yeah. Is Van okay? I thought I I was like I know this, and I'm trying to figure out why. That's why. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was that's pretty cool. It's like man, if she's good enough and she in, that's amazing. But then I thought like, wow, let's look at the flip side of that. Right now, I'm 41 years old. I still have some eligibility left because I didn't burn all mine in college. So what if I were to go back and join a girls team and dominate it? And at this age, I don't think I could. But let's say I'm 6'9", I'm 240, 250, 35-inch vertical, bench pressing 325 pounds, and I'm just physically superior. Physically, just, just my physical prowess is superior. What would the general population say about me? And I thought about it before I even asked this question. So it's interesting you brought this up because I didn't know we were going this way, but I was thinking, I was like, the general consensus behind the scenes would be like, man, this dude is a sucker. Probably. I think I'll that's tell what, you that. <laughs> that I, that's what I was going to say. Most of us guys would say that. But if a, if a young lady, in the case of the young lady at Vanderbilt, it celebrated. And it, it just pointed to some of the disparity that still exists. And let's be real. Women have been done wrong in this country. Fact. The LGBTQ community has been done wrong in this country. Facts. Black folks in general have been done wrong in this community. Facts. So it's not about putting one group over another. It's just pointing out the facts. And the fact is, when you look at, hey, let's look at a domestic disturbance and the police are called, whether it's the folks in the house or neighbors. The general consensus is, hey, man, listen, do you have some place where you can go just till things calm down? You get what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it was for me, it was weird because it's like, man, this doesn't really do anything for males, but it is such a, a an amazing feat if a female, a young lady, a woman is able to accomplish this. But it's not the same on this side. 
And it just became interesting because as we talked about on the show before, what you were referring to earlier, Todd, the episode where I asked the question, when we say like black women saved the vote, they saved America. If we're if we're creating that narrative by saying that, how do men feel? Either men that actually went out and voted, men that didn't vote, men that didn't vote are in our active in the community in other areas. What are we doing when we say that? What is the actual What's the purpose? What's the end goal? What's the end result? Those are the three things that I'm looking at. So when I saw that executive order, I'm like, I don't know how this is beneficial for men. But for a woman, it's amazing to see her accomplish this feat to be playing at this level against this competition. So so that was my thought in general about that. Roy, anything to add there? No, and I've never thought about it in that way, Joel. So I appreciate your, like, you know, the way that you approached your thoughts. And, and and so like, I don't really have anything to add. It was just a lot to take. I'm a processor by nature. So like yeah. I things in and then I had to sit with it for a minute. And so it's really, cause you know, even when you talked about a, a little bit about how, um, how necessarily black men feel when, you know, the narrative is black women saved the vote um, for the election. And I'm sorry, because my dog is acting real crazy right here. It's okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But like, to answer that question, like how does, I, I can't, I can't, I can't answer how it makes all black men feel, but how it made me feel is like, I was proud. And that was just, you know, and I know that like, not everyone has the same perspective and everyone has the reasons for, you know, thinking the way that they do. It's just like the things that black women have to do to hold, hold black men down. And then how they trans to me, how like they kind of like transpose those roles into, you know, our economy and, you know, general elections. It's just, I was proud to see that. And so it didn't make me feel less as a black man that black women were being celebrated because I feel that black women aren't celebrated enough. So I can take this as a, you know, I, I don't need to put my male ego to the forefront in this particular circumstance and I can let them have that shine, not even let, you know, allow them to embrace that shine. Yeah. yeah. So Joel, I'm, I'm gonna ask you this. Shoot. Do you remember that as there was, oh, I forgot which um, Olympic team she was on, the, but the um, the young lady who they, they didn't want her to compete because they said that she had too much testosterone flowing through her system. Track. Black, black woman, the track girl. Yes. Okay. So, and, and, and this is just me thinking out loud here. I'm just trying to, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm putting stuff together. <clears throat> Do you think that with the signing of that executive order now, I don't, now here's the thing. I don't know what the, the rest of it says, right? Cause there's, there's, yeah. we see the surface of it. And unless you're yeah. reading the full, you know, whatever, we don't know what it says. So do you think that this could potentially help athletes you know, women, black women like her who, who may produce a little bit more testosterone or whatever than, than a normal 
I, I'd say an, an, I say normal. Everybody's normal is different, right? We but living in this this world, we we base it on white people. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be real. Um, yeah. But um, do you think that that would th- that this could probably help her in her case? Because now it's like, well, if men can come in this sport, then it doesn't. It shouldn't matter whether I have too much testosterone or not, because you're going to allow this. So does it, does it change the landscape of, of, of women's sports period? I mean, will you find women who start taking more like, you know, testosterone because it's like, well, Hey, if, if, if a man can do it, I, I need to be able to do it just like him. I mean, these are those, those ripple effects, right? Like, will, right. We, will we see women who feel like they have to compete with men who, and, and they, and like I said, they, they take these supplements and all these things and then they end up hurting their bodies and right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm just thinking of the ripple effect. Yeah, dude. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, you, you already started off on the track that I was on mentally, which is, I, I really don't know. Yeah. So for me, even me, it was a question. And um, I, I really like to kind of think through these things. But what it immediately took my mind to with the question that you just asked is. That is the so we look at things in the micro, but in the macro, the bigger picture. I'm thinking to myself, forget sports. Now let's talk about the world at large, the way we function and operate in general. Instead of us trying to compete against one another, which is my point to begin with, at what point do we remove some of the things that are created as barriers, narratives, or whatever the case may be, and say, hey, let's just focus on building together. And my challenge is there's too many things that are put out there, and I'm not saying that any of this stuff is true. Like we hear the the narrative that there's this divide, this chasm between black men and black women. I know some black women that feel that way and black men that do. And then I know a bunch that feel the opposite. It's all about an agenda and a narrative that's being pushed in the sources that it's coming from. So I'm like, all right, let's bypass all the narrative, all the sources, all social media, news outlets, anybody, because we know for a fact the greatest way to win a war is divide and conquer. Or as Sun Tzu said, if I can, if I can not have the fight at all and still win, that's the greatest outcome. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, all right, we've already been divided. We've seen it happen time and time again. Why don't we stop allowing those who are who, whose sole mission is to divide us to do that, to be successful in their missions, and just come together? So the question I asked uh, again, you know, to Roy's point, which is, I think it's amazing that our black women are being celebrated because Malcolm X said it, Todd, you're a Malcolm X guys and, and Roy, you may be as well, but Malcolm X said it like the most underappreciated, underrespected, underprotected person in America is the black woman. Again, facts. So I want our women to be celebrated, to be respected, to be put on a pedestal that they deserve to be on. Just not at the expense of black men. And when I say that, what I mean is, Forget who's trying to put you on that pedestal. Who's there with you fighting? Because these folks that created this pedestal for you, they're not really fighting for you. They're using this as an opportunity to create more division. So that's, again, that's my fear. And and we talked about it maybe episode one or two of Black Guy Therapy. Yeah. That, you, you know what I mean? 
yes, that racial anxiety, because I don't know for sure what you're trying to accomplish. All I have is this history. And history says you are going to leverage us against one another. So, yeah, there's potential for the fallout from this to be our women now do things to try to uh, level the playing field in terms of physical attributes. That's a possibility. I, I don't know. And that would suck because that means you're putting yourself in jeopardy. But the bigger picture for me is when do we collectively say, you know what? I don't know who's saying this. I don't know where it's coming from. Let's stop it. It ain't about black women save this or black men do this. It's not about any of that. Us within this culture, we have to say what's best for you. Because again, the concept of Ubuntu, I am because you are. And that's that doesn't have a gender specificity to it. You know what I mean? Right, right. And that's what I'm looking at. It's like, I am because you are. And if that's the case, then these other narratives, agendas, phrases, concepts, these t-shirts, all this cool stuff that's being pushed in front of us, that doesn't matter. What matters is, what do we look like tomorrow? And if I love me and I treat you just as good as I would treat myself, then those narratives shouldn't even come into play. Exactly. I like it. I would give you a ding, but my I, I can't get the soundboard to do what I want it to do right now. So you, oh, you, get, you get a ding, you get a, <laughs> you get a ding, but I can't get the ding on here. But oh well. Um, and and Roy doesn't know. I mean, we we talk about on this show, Roy. What we try to do is we try to give you know some so, uh, some information to stretch your thinking, right? Um, but Ubuntu is something that that is big that we are on. I don't know if you're familiar with Ubuntu. Obviously, being in the city that is as dark skin uh, as we all are, you should know a little bit <laughs> about Ubuntu. Um, but we talk about that all the time on this show. And 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 I wanted to say something, Joel, because th- what you just said jogged a point or a memory for me that I saw today. So okay. there in New York, in New York City, there was a um, there was a group of black men, I believe, and they were catcalling this black woman. And mm-hmm. apparently the black woman was like, hey, I'm not into y'all, whatever, whatever. Those dudes got mad and then they beat her up or attempted to beat her up. Well, the community, some people from the community saw it and then they all came out and surrounded these men. Now, Good. everybody in this community was brown skin and they literally um, protected that woman and stood around her and 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 held onto those those guys right until the police got there. Good. So I feel as if we are coming into that right. We're and it's not it's not it's not going to be an overnight thing, right? We're not gonna this isn't gonna we're not gonna wake up tomorrow and everybody's gonna be doing this. But I am starting to see in small pockets of of, of places in this country where people are starting to do that. That, that I am because you are right that that is coming um, together and and people are like look we uh, people are starting to realize that we're all in this together right and and they're starting to realize that I, I am my brother's keeper I am my sister's keeper and without you there's no me right because we are all interconnected so I'm starting to see this happen on a micro level and obviously if you have a bunch of people doing it on a micro level it has no choice but to to be big right yes. Yes. So I feel as if I'm starting to see see more and more of that. And I hate to say it, and sorry I'm long-winded, <laughs> and I hate to say it, but um, 
I think that a lot of these police-involved shootings have brought a lot of brown-skinned people together. Yeah. Um, just and and obviously the, the the shootings are tragic, and somebody loses a life, and it sucks. But you know these shootings have brought. I almost feel like they've brought more black people together and have started a whole nother conversation and started another narrative um, that is actually helping us um, in the, in the long run. And I'm, I'm glad to see that too. It's, it's really starting to make people think more about how we're, how we're viewed in this world, how we're seen and how we need to move about it. Um, Maybe it's one of those unintended consequences, you know, and we've said this before in our previous episodes, you know, Martin Luther King said, which I guess we just celebrated Martin Luther King Day, right? Yeah. Um, one of his most, I say most famous quotes, but it, it's really not super famous, but one of his, his quotes says, I fear that I've integrated my people into a burning house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think that, black and brown people around this country are starting to really feel the burn of the burning house that we've been integrated in Mm. and are trying to figure out how can I remove myself from this burning house and build my own damn house. So nobody bothers me. (laughs) So, and which to another point, I'm sorry, I'm long winded, but did you (laughs) see that, that you remember that family that bought all that land in Georgia and they were going to start their own city. Yep. They bought more land. Yep. And they're going to make an even bigger city. Yep. So we're start like, again, these micro, these are micro things that are happening all around this country, but it's going to grow and then it's going to be major. Agreed. And when you have something like that, what do we, history tells us, right? Like if, if they can't get in on it, they're going to try to do something to it. Yep. And you know what I'm talking about by they. (laughs) Yep. So good points. And and to your point, Ty, is that MLK quote about integrating yourself into a burning house like hits me real hard and different because I grew up in a predominantly white community. And so I'm fig and I and I spent my whole life trying to figure out how do I fit in in this box that wasn't made for me. Yeah. And so, you know. As a 33, going on 34-year-old male, it wasn't until probably maybe a year and a half, two years ago, where I consciously came to the conclusion that I don't have to fit into that box in so many different ways. As as a person that's, you know, in corporate America, like it's okay for me to express myself as I am. Um, and so like just that whole, you know, that whole quote that you just shared with, with MLK just is brought a lot of, you know, things that I've been going through the last two years to the forefront of my mind. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. That's awesome. Because I think, Roy, thank you so much. I'm going to say it now before we even get to the end. Thank you for being on today because it's those type of perspectives that people need to see. There's always two sides to the coin. So what happens when the, this isn't my norm, but this is? How do I deal with that? How do I accept it? How do I work through that? How do I grow and evolve as a human being when 
maybe this is how I feel growing up or what I'm what's being shown to me. But something inside of me is just not jiving with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, this can't be the only way. So what is the other way? And if I go the other way, am I doing something wrong? And, and that's why I thought this was so important when I, and, and I know it was just via text, but it was so important for me to share that with you, Todd, and with Henry, because that's what it was for me. It's like, I know that the unpopular perspective or position to take is that I don't think it's okay to big up black women over black men. I don't, and I never have, never will. At the same time, I needed to be understood. I'm not going to big up black men over black women. And that's where that Ubuntu comes into play. And, and the, we're in this cancel culture right now where I can't even say how I feel because I'm not going to have an opportunity to explain what I mean if you don't get it. Right. And when I say that, what I simply mean is what I just said. It's not about one being over the other. It's about blocking out all the noise coming together and actually building. And it's funny, um, you know, Ty, we had our retreat um, over the MLK weekend. And one of the stories that one of the attendees told was there was a neighbor that lived next to him. It was a, it was a Hispanic woman and her daughter. And he said, I watched her allow three Hispanic men that she didn't really know move into her home with them. And basically they did all the work around the house. They took care of everything lawn stuff, fixing up the house. They went to work, did their job. They contributed to the to the rent where she didn't have to pay for anything. The only thing she did was cook dinner. That's all she did, which is made sure that everybody ate. And he said, I watched over the course of like five years where they built up this house to make it like the most pristine on the block to all of them moving out and having their own houses and then bringing others in. And the reason I tell this story is because what I would love for us to be able to do is not be afraid or not feel bad because we have this love for our own people. Because every other culture that decides that I love my people, I want to interact and make sure that we're good. There's no issue there. But when we have that, that power to the people mentality, I love my folks. It suddenly is met with fear and as they say, trepidation and and angst and all these other things come up against it. And I'm just like, black men, black women, forget everything anybody's telling you outside of the people who are struggling the same way that you are against the same things. And y'all just build each other up. And if we get to that place, I firmly believe whoever's in the White House doesn't matter, whether it's a, a, a majority Republican, majority Democrat, none of that matters because we're not dependent upon somebody who's benefiting from the same government that was created years ago that did not have us in mind in the first place. Let's not depend on that. Let's depend on each other because we love each other. And then we can, in turn, leverage it. Right now, we're trying to leverage it, but we're not even helping each other the way we should. So that means how many different perspectives are there from people of color going up to the government level? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So we're throwing all these little pebbles instead of coming together and picking up a big old mountain and it's dropping on their heads. Yeah. That's my problem. And you know, that you saying that whole story just made me think, you know, I'm a book guy. And, and mm-hmm. even in this new year, I'm going to still encourage our readers to get more books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, just uh, two days ago, I was reading American Uprising, um, which if you don't know anything about American Uprising, 
it is the story of the untold um, slave uprising uh, in Louisiana in the 1800s. Okay. And just what you said, so these these group of enslaved Africans and some native, at that time, born Americans were fighting all the, 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 the masters from the countryside all the way to New Orleans. Killed a bunch of people and, um, you know, burned a bunch of houses along the way. Got to New Orleans, was met with a big, you know, everybody, all the, all the, 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 the army and the, the militia, essentially the militia, the white militia, and killed all those people, right? Before, before they killed them, right, they were trying to figure out how did this happen and who started it. And for the most part, 99% of those enslaved Africans who were captured and killed, and not only were they killed, they had their heads chopped off, put on stakes, and lined down the street so other enslaved Africans would see, don't you ever do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 99% of those Africans, they stood together when they were asked what happened. And it's like, I don't know what happened. I ain't seen nothing. Sorry, can't help you. And then died, right? Mm. But there was that one percent that was like, "Oh, it was so and so, and so and so, and so and so was the leader, and so and so did this." And it was like it was like two people who snitched everybody out, right? right? And because they did that, a whole like segment of of people was, you know, killed for insurrection, right? Right. So, I think the let me let me let me say this in a way what you're saying is wonderful and i think one day we will get there but i think there's always going to be that one person or persons who try to sabotage it for their own personal gain absolutely so the the heat the heat the gun line boss person yes (laughs) all the time yes let me tell you about the gun line boss yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 it sucks that it's that way right and it's hard because we can't I mean, because we look different, it's hard to kind of break out of that and and move, you know, move silently somewhere else because we're noticeable, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I I hope that one day we will get to exactly where you're speaking of. And again, like I said before, we are getting, we are are making progress um, because we are now starting to realize the power that we have in this country. Yeah. So and, and 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 like I said, I just hope that the the understanding is that the power is not in the processes that have been created. The power is truly in the people. Truly. And the more people that we have aligning on the on the the potential of what we could obtain, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And and that's not through again, that's not through the political process as much it is as it is the Ubuntu process, which is something that is in our DNA, which is an African concept. It's a day of Kwanzaa. This is something that should should resonate with all of us. And when I'm truly thinking I am because you are, that means that, like I said before, I love myself this much. I have this much respect for me. But I have that same amount for you, which means I'm never going to put you in a position where you're out there on the island by yourself. And right now, it's a whole lot of us putting each other on the island, arguing about 
the mac the micro stuff and that that's what i want i want us to stop arguing about the micro focus on and be strategic about the macro work towards that and then as we do that then i do believe there is power in the numbers in terms of the political process and and i said it on here maybe i guess i was like two three weeks ago now but when i talk when i think about the vote and the power that that is it's the exact same to me as thanos and the infinity gauntlet it's the same thing not everybody can put that gauntlet on and get the same result so if i'm not equipped with the information i'm gonna kill myself Right. Or I'm going to kill somebody else in the process. And that's not what I'm trying to accomplish. So if we can focus that all of our attention and efforts on just being better towards one another, then everything else as a as a direct reflection, as a direct result, will have to go in that same direction. Yeah. Be better. I mean, or as as Melania Trump used to say, be best. I don't think she really said that, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, that was her slogan. I never heard her say "be best," but um, and didn't she steal some of that from like Michelle Obama? I don't know. I'm just she stole the whole speech from Michelle. So we... okay, I'm hey, I'm just saying, right? Like, um, but and 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 obviously th- this is January, and and I mean, I guess we're closer to the end of January than than the beginning. But um, I mean, what a great conversation to have in the month of january going forward to to be the best versions of ourselves right and i feel like we talk about this all the time but um when you in the month of january of a new year right you're 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 resetting you know trying to get yourself back together i think this is just a good thing to talk about and just say hey Mm -hmm. like we need to be the best versions of ourselves if we're the best versions of ourselves we have no choice but to help other like you know to be good stewards to ourselves and of others and yep. one good thing leads to another good thing which leads to another good thing right absolutely so absolutely yeah. Roy, anything to add buddy i'm just thinking about you know what you said about being the best version of yourself but and I, a part of me realizes like what if you don't know what is the best version of yourself and how do mm-hmm. you find that person and so we're saying, hey, be the best version of you. But I feel like we may know uh, of, of us three men on this call of what may be the best version of ourselves. But what if other black men don't know what the best version of themselves is and how to get to where we're talking about? And how do we equip them to allow them to be the best version of themselves? Joel, take Dope it away. Question. The A, A, Roy, thank you. Because again, fantastic question. Because I, no lie, I'm from Inkster, Michigan. Inkster is a small city outside of Detroit. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity, a lot of hope, a lot of goals, a lot of dreams. I had no idea who I was supposed to be into my 20s before I left Michigan. I had a late start on everything. Finally get here to Nashville. I'm just basically bouncing around from job to job to job. And being 100% transparent, I did not have a good grasp on who I thought I could be and as a, real, as a result should be until I was in my mid-30s. So the first thing is we have to understand that everybody's journey is different. Everybody's not going to come to the same conclusions in terms of being that best version of themselves. But I think one of the biggest problems is, and I, I'm going to tell a quick story, in 1997, 
I moved from Michigan to Atlanta and I was going to finish out my last year of high school there. My mom eventually told me, no, just go ahead, finish your last year with, in, in your comfort zone, basically. But I was dribbling the basketball down there, Stone Mountain, going to a park and people were driving by honking and waving. And it totally messed me up because in my neighborhood, that's not something that happened. There was no courtesy. There was no friendly nature of people. And what I realized is when I accepted the fact that, you know what, these people are just being kind, it made me get at ease. And what I know for a fact is the people in my neighborhood can never be at ease because there's nothing easy about their situations. When we start treating each other a certain way, there's a level of ease that will develop. And when you have that level, that level of ease, it helps to kind of get to that mindset where like, man, I guess I ain't got to fight every other day. I don't have to have my gun on me and shoot people that look like me just because we disagree or because he's from that street and I'm from this street or they're this gang. You get what I'm saying? It's not easy. It's not a a overnight, you know, flip of the switch thing that's going to happen. But as we start to treat each other better, the defense mechanisms that are naturally in us start to come down. So, again, and I I know I've said it two times already, but I'm saying it again. The Ubuntu theory plays directly into people figuring out what that better version of themselves are. Because if me and you, Roy, we meet on the street and I I wave my hand, I speak and say, hey, brother, how you doing? Now you're disarmed. There's no walls up. You're not angry. You're not like, I don't know what this dude is about. Oh, he just spoke. He cool. And you're more than likely in turn going to say, hey, man, I'm good. How you doing? Everything good. And we may never speak or see each other again but we've disarmed each other. That's not what normally happens though. So the more my guard is up, the less likely I am to even begin the process to figure out who I am, who I could be, and as a result, who I should be. So I think the responsibility is is on us, like us three brothers on this call that have come to that conclusion. You know what? I see a better way. I see a better life. I have an appreciation and a respect for it. I know that the, the, the deck is still stacked against me, but I also know that if we come together, the deck that's stacked doesn't matter because I'm not even playing that game anymore. Now I'm over here in this game. So, again, it is difficult. There are people who are from my neighborhood that generationally have been unsuccessful in life, which means that if you tell somebody, hey, man, college is an option and nobody in their family's ever been. How realistic is that to them? So your point is super valid. And that's why I I just want to make sure that everybody who's come to some sort of an understanding about who they could be potentially, it's your responsibility. As Spider-Man says, great power comes great responsibility. Knowledge is power. I now know that this is an option. So it's my responsibility to remove barriers from you that I may have put in front of you normally. Because I'm not going to lie. I was one of those guys. If I didn't know you, it was almost like it was animosity when we passed by each other just because that's the that's the environment I grew up in. And I'm not even one of the dudes that was out there doing nothing to nobody. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel this is just my perspective. I feel that when gentlemen like us come to that understanding, the responsibility on us is extremely heavy. It is our responsibility until we leave here to share that message with as many as possible, which I'm going to go out on a limb and speak for Todd, but I'll let him speak for himself. 
what prompted the concept of black guy therapy in the first place, place which started as black men getting together in person and ended up being a podcast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. And it, and Joel, it even speaks to something that I learned from my cousin is that my cousin, my younger cousin, he passed away in a car accident, but he always said, I love you mm. to his friends, to his mom, to whoever other black male friends of his. And it's something that I have adopted as a black man is I will tell other black men, like, Hey, I love you. Mm. And it's not something I see a lot of white people say that white males say that to each other from time yep. to time. But if I say it to another black man, it makes sometimes us feel weak when in actuality, it's the complete opposite truth. And, you know, all of what you just said just resonated very, very deeply with me in, in, in that simple fact. It's just, we need to be able to disarm one another. And if I tell you I love you, how can you be mad at me? Right. 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 So, and people also accept criticism or whatever when they know at the core of your heart, you saying it out of love. So whether it was like my stepdad giving me a hard lesson and he didn't mince words at all, but at the end of the day, I knew that he was saying it because he loved me. And right. so if we take that same approach amongst us ourselves, we can get to the place that you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and, and again, this is, this is a thought and this is a thought that just popped in my head from something I saw. So I watched that movie, Harriet, like two weeks ago for the first time. I don't know if any, either one of y'all have seen it. Not yet. No, okay. sir. So mm -hmm. there's a scene, there's a couple scenes, but there's a scene where Harriet, has run away and she's trying to get north, but she goes to see her father and her father can't look at her because if he looks at her, then they'll be like, have you seen her? And he doesn't lie. He, he's known as the guy who never lies. So he wore a blindfold to say he never saw her. Right. Mm. But she, she's telling him, she hugs him and she's like, I love you, but he can't say it. Right. He just, he just hugs her. And and there's something to be said about that because, and we've talked about this in, in previous episodes too, where we're like, throughout history, we have never had the time to, 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 to even say it or, or, or think it because we've been on the, you know, defensive so long. Yes. So, you know, it, it is hard to change a style when you, I mean, when this is, since we've been in these Americas, this is how we've been, you know, it's hard to, 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 to flip the switch. But again, like you said, we slowly, but we're starting to, we're starting to change the narrative and starting to change that, that mentality and letting people know that it's okay to say I love you and to talk about your feelings and things like this. And as much as I hate the new like emo rap, that's all it is. It's these rappers talking about their feelings. They're in yeah. their feelings. And yeah. it is definitely, definitely letting um, 
black and brown skinned people know like, hey, I can talk about my feelings and it's okay. Yeah. So that's a good call. That's and I and you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and take ownership right now. One of the disses that I always had for Drake was that very thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Me too. He, he, Me too. Man, he's so emotional. He always sound like he begging and crying and why that was always a knock on him. And I never put that into perspective until you just said that, Todd. So I want to be on record right now of saying I'm guilty of the exact same thing that I'm saying we need to get away from. Yeah. And and I'm taking that to heart and I'm going to make sure that I'm conscious of that because I never thought about it that way before. But you're right. It's like this group is they're they're supposed to be tough guys, but they're on here talking all this stuff. And it's like, what? What you mean? Are you sad? All your friends are dead. But, <laughs> you know, but in reality. A lot of our friends have died. You know what I mean? In our communities. But we just got to act like, yeah, don't bother me. I get a tattoo and, and, you know, to commemorate them and I keep moving and I'm out here doing and going hard on behalf of you instead of saying it hurt me to know that you were never going to be here again. And I need to pause on that thought and, and sit in it, deal with the emotion and then move on as opposed to pretending like I'm good. Now I got this pent up emotional aggression or whatever it is and it's going to manifest itself in some way i sure can't show weakness so that means i'm going to be trying even harder to be tough which means i'm even more likely to do harm to somebody that looks like me instead of just being like man my bad i messed up i'm not in a good headspace right now my friend just died i know i was talking reckless when i made the mistake of doing something to you and instead of me owning it I just tried to jump stupid with you because I wanted everybody to know that I was still tough. Yep. Like being able to do that. And, and Roy, I'm man, I love what you said too. Just being able to, you know, and, and, and rest in peace to your cousin. But that is such a great lesson that I hope all of our listeners can hear and understand the value in that. Letting people know all the time, being vulnerable, being weak in front of people. For the greater good, because like you said, when you disarm somebody, it's crazy what you can get to. And I think about, again, going to that macro, bigger picture in a marriage. If me and my wife are arguing and I grab her hand and I'm looking her in her eyes to let her know that I'm serious, I'm hurt, this bothered me. How much more difficult is it for her to stay banging just as hard back as opposed to listening to me? But do we do that? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think if we took that same approach to our relationships with other people that look like us, this whole goofy narrative of black on black crime, which is already unfounded, that wouldn't even be a conversation anymore. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that, that whole conversation, I don't know if you've seen, uh, oh, what is that movie? It just came out. I just watched it. Um, crap. With Nate Parker. I have not. His no. son was killed. You know yeah, what I'm talking nope. about, though? I do. I do have not. So, I can't remember the name of it, but no, I have not seen it. Yeah, so there's a whole American skin. There it is. Yep. There is a whole scene in there when they're in court, and they are having that very conversation that you just you know said. So when you watch that movie, you're going to see that scene, and you're going to be like, we just talked about that. This whole yeah. black on black crime thing, like this, 
this narrative. There's a whole scene around that. So if you haven't seen it yet, either one of you, obviously you haven't, Joe, but um, Roy, if you haven't seen it, it it doesn't have great reviews. Like it's a lot of people says it was a terrible movie, but I feel like those people who reviewed it weren't black because all the black people I have talked to that have seen it have been like, dude, that was great. And it is an accurate depiction of how we are treated mm. in this America. So, well, you know, they already have a beef with Nate Parker anyway. So <laughs> what do you do? Well, he didn't do anything. He was charged with uh, rape and oh, later man. it was, it was dropped and everything. It was, it was a young white woman. Uh, and, and I think they've still tried to hold that against him. Yeah. So even his place in Hollywood was almost lost as a result of that, which is why you haven't seen him for so long after, uh, uh, the, um, uh, oh my goodness, forgive me. Uh, the uh, movie where he was the right, where he Nat rolled, Turner, yeah. Nat Turner. Yeah. Yes. yeah. After the Nat Turner movie, he just disappeared. Yeah. So, so that was a result of that, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Yeah. It, it is very, it is very good. Um, well, it's not like, oh my God, they need to play this in every movie theater, but it's like, oh my God, they may want to play this in, in a high school. <laughs> Um, right. This is or a college, right? Like this is a good, uh, a good representation, or not even good representation, but at least it shows you the other side, right? So, um, and and I like Nate Parker. He he directed this movie, so maybe that's yep. why you know he he's been out. He's been doing his own thing now. He's like screw Hollywood. I'll do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, we are running out of time. We are literally at at our at our. Isn't it crazy? Every time, if Henry is on here, he'd be mad, but whatever. Right. <laughs> he'd be saying, here you go, oh, Otis. Yeah. But um, we're here. We have arrived. Um, Roy, We generally what we do at the end of our, our – uh, yeah, ta- I can't even talk today. Generally, what we do at the end of our show is um, you get a final thought, right? Um, just say what you feel. Uh, sometimes we give homework, um, but it's whatever. And uh, we'll let you start out today. Awesome. Well, you know, Ty, thank you for uh, hitting me up earlier, literally like 30 minutes, 45 minutes ago, because I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into being on the <laughs> podcast. But I found it to be, and Joel's been a pleasure to meet you as well. Um, likewise, likewise. It's, it's been very therapeutic for me, just even just being able to, you know, think through some of the thoughts the thoughts that we've had today and um, look forward to being on any time that you guys, in, you know, need someone uh, to ask questions or you to give a different any time. Hey man, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> you just might get it. Um, but the only homework that I would give our, our, the listeners of here, you know, listening to here today is, you know, just tell someone that you love them today someone you ain't talked to in a minute someone that you might have had a disagreement with that you know you still want them to know that no matter what we've been through i still love you so that's what i would leave our listeners with a little bit of homework for today that's pretty easy homework i'll go next here i'll let joel end us out today um y'all know me we we it's a new year we got new books so I'm going to make y'all get into something here. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so last year we talked about uh, Ubuntu a lot, right? And there was a book yeah. I told y'all that you need to go get everyday Ubuntu, living these African principles, right? Self-help book, great. I hope that y'all got it this year for this month. Um, go, I want you to read uh, Just Mercy, right? Um, there's actually a movie about um, this story, um, and I don't know if y'all, either one of y'all have seen, have y'all seen the movie Just Mercy? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Okay. I have. We actually went, as a, as my team from work, we actually went to go see that together. Well, there you go. So um, there's a book. Um, obviously, the book has a little bit more detail than the movie, but it's based um, on a guy named Brian Stevenson, who was uh, a young lawyer who he's I think he's is he from Delaware I think he's from Delaware um but anyway he moved to the deep south matter of fact he moved to the city that I am in right now uh Montgomery Alabama and he um he started the was it the the equal justice initiative and um he started fighting for uh prisoners who were wrongly convicted um great story if you've seen the movie the movie's great but I would um tell you to read the book too um, and if you're ever in Montgomery, you can come check out the, um, they have a museum where the lynching museum that he helped to, uh, get, get built. So, um, that's down here and hell, you may even be able to meet him cause he still practices law right here in Montgomery, Alabama. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to meet him before I leave this place. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got for you, Joe round us out, buddy, man, uh, this was a this was a good one. This one this one sat on my chest a lot just because uh, everything we're talking about uh, are things that I've really really tried to be proactive about. But then there were a couple of things that were said today that that resonated and you know kind of stepped on my toes a little bit. So just being more specific and intentional with my emotions and my feelings towards my brothers. And this is black guy therapy, so that's why I'm saying my brothers. Obviously, that does not exclude sisters, but being more intentional and specific when I'm speaking to my brothers. And and I told a story on here a long time ago about how I try to approach all black men since like 2015. Um, but just being more intentional in that. And then also understanding that just because it's not the way I would do it, speaking about the the emo rap specifically is not the way i might do it it doesn't mean it's wrong whatever way somebody can share their emotional level where they're at their mental health level where they're at with a general audience i applaud it i salute it i support it and and i want to apologize even though i know uh drake ain't listening to us from the six but in you know just as somebody like him who 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 was very brave now that i think about it, that's brave than a mug to come out there and, and put all your feelings out there for the world to see and have that great level of su success that he's had so i i just ask everybody else to do the same you know just make sure that you know when you interact with other people you disarm them as much as possible it doesn't mean you're weak it just means you want the best for them and as a result you want the best for yourself and then the way that people show you their emotions allow them to do that don't chastise don't make them feel guilty or embarrassed as a result support it support it support it mental health is extremely important in our community and it's still one of those symbol symbols of weakness if we discuss it let's break that narrative let's break those chains and let's move forward 
go. Well, you have heard the church announcements and um, govern yourselves accordingly. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) Right. Well, and with that being said, I don't think anybody else has anything to say. So uh, we out. Peace.